With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another edition of the Playing Through Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can reach us anytime on social media at Playing Through Podcast on Instagram. DM us there. We're always checking and doing our thing. It's uh, Brian Wacker one uh, on Instagram and Twitter and at Froggy Radio as well. So thanks so much for listening. We've been waiting for quite a while. We have not had real golf around since what? I think it was March 11th or March 12th that we stopped playing the Players Championship. That was a long time ago. And 91 this week, days. Yeah. Is it 91 days? 91 days. Wow. 91 days we went without golf. We are getting golf this weekend. We start off the Charles Schwab in Texas at the Colonial. And uh, it's great to have golf back in a really big field. The best field they've ever had, right, Ryan? It is. Yeah. I mean, this is an event that uh, it won't have Tiger Woods, but it will have, uh, I believe, 15 of the top 20 in the world, uh, all of the top five players in the world, some incredible featured pairings. Um, there's clearly a, an itch, uh, and you can't blame them, for guys to get back and play golf. And uh, the tour's got some protocols in place for testing. We'll get into that. Uh, of course, no fans for the first four events back. We'll get into that. And away we go. Um, we've got PGA Tour Golf. Um, we'll have PGA Tour Golf if all goes to plan uh, every Sunday from now um, through the end of November. So wow. uh, a lot to get to. And PGA Tour Golf is back with Colonial. I'm curious to see how it all plays out. But for now, um, it's back. Yeah, it's nice to have golf back. But you know what? We've got a lot going on. We've had the pandemic going yes. on. And then here recently in the last 10 days, uh, unfortunately, there's been a lot of unrest in America. And hopefully we are moving forward towards a better way for a lot of people. The death of George Floyd has started worldwide protests over racism, inequalities, uh, police brutality. And so somebody who has spoken out and somebody who understands exactly what's going on. I know he wrote a piece for you guys at Golf Digest uh, joining us here on the program. 
is a long drive champion, Maurice Allen, who hits the ball a long ways, but today he's here to talk about other things. Maurice, thanks so much for coming on the program. Oh, man, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. So, yeah, uh, us. Yeah. so tell us, what's been going on with you? I know we've been through the pandemic. We're going through everything else we've got going on now. What exactly is, uh, what's Maurice been up to? Oh, uh, man, honestly, you know, long drive, for people who don't know, long drive folded uh, about three weeks ago. So um, there's no more long drive as of right now. I think they're trying to figure out sponsors or somebody to come back, but don't know really what that looks like. So my ultimate goal, honestly, was to play a little more stroke play anyway. Now I don't have a choice. That's kind of fast forwarded and sped up a little bit. So I'll spend the next three weeks uh, playing in about five events. Um, one of them is going to be a qualifier for the Florida Open and just keep moving and see what I can do with that end. If long drive come, comes back, I'll just do both. But right now, just focused on the golf game. You know, it's funny. I've wanted to ask you that before uh, when I have watched long drive championship to see how well you drive the golf ball. I mean, it's... You know, it's unbelievable how how far you can hit it. Why is it that guys that do the long drive don't play more stroke play events? Because it seems that if you could hit it that far, hell, you don't need but a wedge to get to a par five. <laughs> uh, well, the key was you said how far, and then you said how well. Uh, how far is, yes, definitely we're far. But well, you know, I, I think the easiest way to describe it is I did an exhibition when I first started. and uh, PJ Tour player was literally in front of a bunch of kids, and he, he was hitting balls off of a, what do you call it, a serving platter. You know, serving platter was about 100 yards away, about 80 yards away, and he was dinging balls off the platter. And, you know, who can do that? You know, a two-foot platter. Right. Um, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm not that good. So the difference between a long drive guy, yeah, we hit the ball far, but, you know, anybody on the PGA Tour, um, you know, the European Tour, the Champions Tour, Corn Ferry, all these – these guys were really, really, really good. KPGA, JPGA, they, they are amazing players. It's not just how far can you hit the ball, you know, the up and downs. Can you get the ball to stop? When you get in the rough, can you get it to do what you need it to do? Can you curve the ball around? Um, it's more than just hitting it far. And, and honestly, in long drive, you're conditioned to hit one great ball out of eight. In golf, every stroke counts. So, right. yeah, you can stand on the tee box all you want to and hit eight, but good luck. <laughs> right. And Maurice, you mentioned the PGA Tour, of course, they returned to action this week at Colonial. Um, golf has been off, obviously, now for a few months. There's mm -hmm. been more important things, of course, going on. Um, we had the pandemic, and then, of course, uh, George Floyd, protests, Black Lives Matter, um, all very much more important issues. Um, you, of course, wrote a tremendous piece for us at Golf Digest talking about what it's like to be black in a largely white sport in a, in a probably 99% uh, white sport. Uh, we talked about it the other day, Tiger Woods um, came on the scene in, in 97 and we've effectively had just a couple of African-American golfers on tour since then. First, I wanted to ask you though, why did you decide to write the piece? Um, you know, if people go through my Instagram, it's been something I've been talking about for years, uh, mainly because I know for a fact that I've been passed up on so many opportunities. Um, and it has to be solely based on, on race. It can't, it can't be anything else. Um, one of the most decorated people in the history of long drive, um, a global name compared to many in my field. Uh, most guys in long driver, just us known, but I've literally traveled the globe doing this and have fans all over that I've actually performed in front of. Um, and 
there's never been anything wrong with me. They, people can't find dirty laundry. You know, there's no arrest records or drug use or anything like that. So the only thing that's left is is race. And it's it, it really sucks. But I understand as being a trailblazer, it kind of is what it is. And you try to, you may never see and reap the benefits of your hard work, but you pray and you hope that the person behind you doesn't have to go through the same thing. And it was just a, a perfect time when I think the world was listening to things that I've been saying for the last six or seven years. It's one thing to talk about things, but it's a whole nother thing to have people who listen. Um, and many times in life, we have people who talk a lot, but they're, it's kind of like the whole preaching to the choir thing. Um, and I think now people are a little more interested in listening. I mean, you look at Colin Kaepernick, that's probably the best example ever. Uh, the NFL just issued an apology and it's something that people have known for at least three or four years now. You know, it's it, and it's when people get past the deny phase, I think that's when growth can happen. And I think the world is past the deny phase. Uh, and I just hope that golf is in the same boat. What kind of feedback have you gotten since you wrote the piece? Um, honestly, I'll be 100 percent honest with you, man. It's been more positive than negative you know you're always going to have two to three percent that's negative there's nothing that you can do about that part but uh you know people donated to the link to the foundation and we had a young man who put an application in for a scholarship and we honestly just ran out of money because of covid but because of that we were able to fund another scholarship as of this week so, I mean, from that standpoint, it was, even if everything else is gone, let's say I've been blackballed from the rest of my career and I can't do anything, um, being able to do the philanthropic work that I'm able to do and the people who stepped up on that side is much more worth it, honestly. If that means I got to go work at like the PGA Tour Superstore or something like that, but being able to do this part, the philanthropic work, there's been so many people who've stepped up and donated and uh, all kinds of stuff. So that part's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I know Harold Varner, uh, the third also spoke out, wrote a very nice piece as well. Uh, and, and so have you had an issue with anybody who you thought should have spoke out or should have been more vocal or, or things you would like to see be a little different? Cause I even know the tour, uh, has spoke out and said that they understand there's a problem and that they want to do better. Yeah. I actually have a problem with everybody, uh, to be a hundred percent honest with you, you know, Harold wrote a piece and it was okay. Um, it wasn't anything to write home about. I think, you know, when you make people uncomfortable, you know, people read my piece and they were uncomfortable. And the truth of the matter is they're uncomfortable for a moment. I've been uncomfortable for years. It's nothing new. So I live that every single day. So, if, um, you know, if you look at the three pieces that were written, mine, Harold's and Tiger's, you know, I'd say Harold's in the middle and Tiger and I are on the two opposite ends um and the thing about it with tiger it, it's most people are afraid to speak out because of financial commitments you know i look at harold varner versus tiger woods obviously harold's been on the tour a few years but he still he still has some things to go obviously sponsors are a big part of what he does and things of that nature tiger woods has had plenty of money since the early 2000s let's say 2003 let's say five years into his is well 2001 would be five years in. So let's say five years into his career, he probably had more money than most people in golf would have had. Um, and he could have been speaking out from that point on. He could have been stepping up from that point on. And 
I think the biggest issue that we have in golf is Tiger Woods, to be 100% honest with you, because white people use him as the excuse to say, well, the number one player in the world is black and all this other stuff, or the greatest of all time is black. And the truth of the matter is Tiger is not black. And people have to understand that. And that's not me as a black male saying Tiger is not black and judging him. It is Tiger Woods who got on Oprah in 1996 and said that himself after winning the Masters. And when someone tells you themselves that I'm not black or I'm Cobblin Asian or whatever he says, that kills everything. That one statement made it where he separated himself from the rest. And he can name his son after Charlie Sifford. And that part is OK, I guess. But he's responsible for the Charlie Sifford Award this year at the Genesis. There was no mention of Charlie Sifford at all. Um, if you look at golf as a whole, there's no mention of black history. And I understand the PGA Tour can only work with what's in front of them. So there's only four black players on the tour, you know, there or people of black descent, technically, since Tiger doesn't want to call himself black. So there's, you know, Tiger Woods, Harold Varner, Joseph Bramlett, Cameron Champ. But they could have done something better uh, with the acknowledgement. PGA of America doesn't acknowledge. USGA doesn't acknowledge. But ironically, all of these and the OEMs don't acknowledge either. But all of these people acknowledge, you know, International Women's Day or International Women's Month and all this other stuff, and women in golf. But when it comes to black people, and that's the, the key is we have to stop saying minorities because a minority is anybody who is not a white male. So the LPGA is crowned with minorities. That LPGA is a minority organization in the world of golf. Um, but when we start talking about black people, when we start talking about African-Americans, no one has ever, ever marketed to the black dollar. No one's done it. No one even pays attention to it. It acts like it doesn't exist. You sprinkle a black person in here or there. You see them do it. You know, the big break, they'd have one. Uh, the shot maker show that I was on, there was one. It, it's if I was a so if I was a surfer. This is probably the best way I can explain it. If I was a surfer and I'm in the top three in the world, I should be able to call Billabong. I should be able to call O'Neill. I should be able to call Rusty. I should be able to call all of these different companies and have offers to be sponsored by every single one of them. Why? Because I'm a surfer. It shouldn't be, well, you don't fit our demographic or, you know, you don't fit our vision. Well, I'm a surfer. You're a surfing company. What don't I fit in your demographic and or your vision? And in golf, that's something that we have constantly been able to circle around and say, well, you know, they just don't really fit. And that's the problem. Yeah, Maurice, it's interesting. You, you know, golf is, is long sort of positioned itself as, as a very um, democratic sport, um, play better. And, um, you know, it's, it's about score, right, when you're playing in, in, in a level playing field. But the playing field isn't really level when it when it comes to um, those opportunities. Can it'd be great if you could share some insight on what that experience, your own personal experiences, what those have been like? Um, oh yeah, because it's 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 not you know it, it's not entirely uh, a level playing field. No, it's definitely not a level playing field. I mean, I am a firm believer that no one should get anything just because of the color of their skin. Uh, I'm not saying you go get some guy who shoots in the 80s and say he's sponsored by Titleist. That's not what I'm saying, um, not in the least bit. But for me, I believe that they always move the carrot. You know, in the beginning of my career, it was 
people used to say, oh, you're an ambassador. I said, no, I'm a touring professional. Um, and that got on a lot of people's nerves because I, I demanded and commanded that level of respect from the beginning of my career. And then it was, well, you haven't won anything, even though I had a bunch of you know top four finishes. So then as I started to win, um, I started going back to companies. Hey, I won. Oh, well, you haven't won anything big. Okay, then I start winning, you know, I win tour titles in Europe and I become one of the best in the world. Oh, well, you haven't won in the U.S. Well, then I went on in the U.S. I'm on SportsCenter and, you know, all these other things and, you know, do the car wash for ESPN. Oh, well, you haven't won a world title. Well, then I win a world. Well, then I become number one in the world. And then it was like, well, you're not the number one ranked player in the world. I accomplished that. Then it was, well, you haven't won a world title. Then I accomplished that. And and it, it keeps moving the carrot over and over again. And. That's been with so many companies. There are actually very few companies that have been with me from the beginning and who have held their word or said, hey, if you accomplish X, Y, and Z, we're going to work with you. We're going to sponsor you. And I also understand as an individual, you know, a leader is not determined by the amount of money that they have or the amount of money that they earn. Uh, In golf, we always talk about being better. Um, You know, in golf, they always talk about when you go to a you walk on the green, you try to fix your pitch mark plus another one, you make it better for the next person. And that's a mentality that I've always used as far as looking at leaders and leaderships, leadership individuals, because you're trying to be in front of the curve. You're trying to see things before they happen. So with me, for a lot of people, it may have been risky to sponsor me or to partner with me because I was speaking out on so many different things that people were afraid to have that tough conversation. Well, fast forward to 2020 now it's in the forefront now it's there and the people who saw these things and did not say anything are looking like they're on the wrong side of history and that's that's absolutely crazy how people can deny and act as if things didn't happen um for me i can assure you i've probably lost millions maybe um definitely hundreds of thousands, but potentially millions compared to if I was a white counterpart that accomplished the things that I accomplished. And with the notoriety and the publicity and the quote unquote, you know, impressions and views that I've gotten over the years, it just, um, it's different. It's a little heartbreaking, but you know, it's life. You, you make the most of it, you try to change it and you just don't accept uh, what's given to you. Marius, do you think, We'll, we'll see real change. Uh, will this be the impetus for golf um, to, to make some changes to, and have some real impact? I think without changing at the, the root of the governing bodies. So let's take LPGA and PGA completely out of the system because we have to understand those two organizations are only responsible for marketing the people who are on their tours. So that's their job. I mean, they do community outreach and I get that. They both do those projects uh, and I've seen them personally. So I know that that happens. But if the USGA, if the RNA and if the PGA of America do not have a true minority, a.k.a. African-American initiative, then no, nothing will change because if it starts with them, then it goes to the OEMs. And then if the OEMs do it, eventually what will happen in the next Let's give it a four-year plan. In four years, you could actually have people who are playing on these tours um, or people who are going through PGA Canada, Latin America, China, 
um, you know, challenge tour overseas, get to Corn Ferry and moving up the, the ladder that way, and then hopefully get to the PGA Tour. And then that would change the PGA Tour as well as the LPGA when they actually have players. But the way how the system goes now, people still have to go through the feeder process. You still have to go through the quote unquote D League and work your way up to these tours. So I can't put that much pressure on the PGA and the LPGA because we haven't given them anything to work with. So would you agree that the socioeconomic and the fact of how expensive it is, whether it's, whether it's golf balls or golf clubs or whatever, is that, is that's what's keeping uh, a certain economic group from being able to get into the game of golf more than anything else? I think the issue is twofold. Yes. The socioeconomic part is huge, but here's the thing. Once you get to a certain level, there are certain things that you should benefits you should reap, which would keep the socioeconomical part down a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm not saying everything's going to be free, but you should be able to get clubs. You should be able to get clothes. You should be able to get shoes. You should be able to get balls. And now all you're worried about technically is entry fees, travel, whatever the case may be. Um, But when you're still, as you're getting better, you still have to pay for all these things um, where a lot of the white counterparts don't have to do that. It's a big deal. I mean, I have a friend right now who can't, who's played in PGA tour events. He can't even get a, a, a wedge. Can't call the rep and get a wedge. I'm not saying 12 wedges and Hey, I, I got one from you last week and I got, I, I need one next week and all this other stuff. I mean, one wedge. And, and the problem that you run into is time and time again, these OEMs, if you look at any company out there with the exception of swoosh staff, cause they do not count cause they partner with Colin Kaepernick. But let's look at any other manufacturer in the golfing world. Tell me one that has a black quote unquote ambassador or influencer and they publicize them. I'll wait because I've done the research. I legit can't find one. I know two people on Strixon, but they are never publicized on their social media. And that, and what we're talking about is all these companies say that they're trying to go towards the youth. Well, the youth aren't on your website. The youth aren't looking at your your Facebook because why? Your Facebook is for people's parents. So kids are on Instagram and TikTok. And if you're trying to go after the youth, then your platforms that target you should look very diverse. And they don't. Or Maurice, inclusive, excuse me. That's the better word, inclusive. Maurice, what's what's next for you? Um, you know, as we mentioned, you wrote the powerful piece. Um Enact, you know, enabling and enacting change and, and is obviously a very important issue to you. Um, we talked about it at the top, the long drive. Um, the future of the long drive competition is uh, nebulous at best, um, is very uncertain at the moment. What, what's next for you? What, what do you have going on in the next few months? Try to shoot 62. <laughs> That's it, man. I mean, honestly, you know, getting out here talking and speaking up is is one thing. But honestly, if I can't get out here and shoot the low scores and get myself status on um, somebody somewhere, uh, it almost looks like a guy who's just angry because he didn't have the ability or the goods to make it to the next level. Um, so I've, I've kind of backed myself into a corner and dropped the gauntlet and the challenge on myself to excel and do better um and if i don't then all of it's for not almost so maurice i want to ask you a question so when you obviously when you're doing the long drive thing you've got an 80 90 100 swing when you're just swinging all out when you go play golf to try and, and and qualify whether it's at the florida open or wherever it is that you're trying to play in 
are you swinging a 70%, 80%? Like what's an average drive for you that you're trying to hit so you know that you're going to get it in play? 345. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so 345 is what, 80% swing? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I use a different everything's different you know when i'm long driving i'm using a zero to a two degree driver and it's 47 inches when i'm playing golf i use a six and a half degree driver that's 43 and three quarter inches and it's not because i need it for control it's just it literally pairs up with the exact specs as far as stiffness as my long drive driver so i don't feel like i have to back off um i can just still really get through the bottom of the swing very well and aggressively um and I hit a lot of two irons. I don't really need to hit the driver. I hit a two iron, you know, about, wow. I think we did a thing on Instagram the other day. I was in a two iron before it caved. I got 200 and I'm sorry. Yeah. I got what? 320 yards off of a two iron, 185 ball speed and 125 on. club speed. Hold on. Um, it caved what the, the, the two iron face caved in. Yeah. It caved, cracked and broke right on the, on the sweet spot. So oh it was on my, it was on my Instagram at Jesse James golf. I don't even have that video anymore, but I'll check it out. Um, I think he's got it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were just, it, it's all about, you know, if you hit the driver long, you hit everything long. Um, I hit a lob wedge about 135 yards. So, I mean, you just understand that you're going to have a lot of Is it all club head speed? Is it, I mean, is it, have you had a lesson? I mean, did, did you take lessons to learn how to hit the ball this far? Or is it just something you just learned how to do? Uh, no, I think it's God-given ability. I mean, in the game of golf, you can shoot 68 a bunch of different ways, but then, you know, hitting the ball far, there's only one way. It's sequencing, power, and speed. You there's know, nothing else you can do. You can't fake that. I do want to tell you, you do have a fan and uh, somebody who's a fan of, of the program and also a friend of ours. Uh, it's Billy Horschel. Yesterday I was talking to Billy, and I told Billy that <laughs> we, we were going to have you on the uh, podcast, and he, he texted me. He said, quote, enjoy your time with Maurice. He's a great guy. He can seriously smoke the shit out of a golf ball. He said he's a sharp dresser. He's a good dude and genuine. He said, I like him a lot and a big fan. So Billy Horschel's a big fan of Maurice Allen. Yeah, man. I spent the first, oh, man, three years of my, uh, well, see, that was 16, 17, and 18. Everything I wore was what Billy wore. Uh, we used to kind of chat about it back and forth. And he'd look at my clothes. He's like, bro, I was like, yeah, you know, just got my horse show outfits on from Polo. So, no, nah, man, Billy's a really, really great guy, uh, minus that school he went to. But, you know. Oh, whoa, whoa, sometimes. whoa, whoa, whoa. If you look over my shoulder, if you look yeah, over my right. I, I saw it. Yeah, you saw it. I saw it. You're not I a Gator it. fan? I saw it. It's, uh, I'm actually not a sports fan at all, but I was on the sideline during three of Miami's national championships in the early. That's eight. right. Like there's oh, a man. We Finally, we get, we get somebody on the, on the program with a cane. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, my cousin, my cousin was an offensive lineman for the Hurricanes. I was there through uh, three of the national championships that he won. I was standing right on the sideline the whole game. So, wow. um, I grew up around, and I think that's probably the difference, man. I grew up a lot of, of amazing athletes. Um, I've known them my whole life so it's just it's different when you're around those great people and you have those amazing influences you also understand what you're here for and the purpose you know every athlete the sweat's going to dry at some point but did you make it better while you had that potential and that platform so it's kind of what I do man well we're we're also a big fan of, of yours Maurice and and I'd be remiss to not mention uh, your foundation which you had texted me some great news about um just just last night i believe and uh if you could share a little bit about that and a little bit about your foundation um that'd be great because i think that's obviously one 
way that listeners could help out and it could step in and we could, you know, it, it takes action for, for, for change. It, it takes people being uncomfortable and it takes some action and, and that, that would yeah. be one way that people could do it. Yeah, no, we, we, t- we touched on it a little earlier, but honestly, here's the thing, you know, um, right now is pretty much prime opportunity for a lot of African-Americans who have put themselves in the proper position, have all their paperwork or have established something going forward. And for me, it was, you know, when I won in 18, I talked about giving $25,000 of my winnings right back to my high school to support scholarships for uh, kids who had struggled their first two years, but then got their act together and really got it together for the, you know, the remaining of their uh, high school career and decided that they wanted to go to college. And we gave away four scholarships just last week, I think it was, or yeah, something like that. Last week, a week and a half ago, um, we gave them away. And then due to all of the generosity of everybody from that story, there was another young man, we ran out of money and we were able to give him a $5,000 scholarship as well. Um, But there's so many projects, you know, we have a building pros project, which I think is going to be the key to getting more African-American men and women on the professional tours and help them go through the ranks. Uh, We have another program, Saving Christmas, where we're going to take over an elementary school and give kids a savings account rather than going and buying bikes and all this other stuff. Help them understand, you know, financial responsibility and give them a savings account solely based on their academics performance and where they stand and under and having people to understand that, you know, knowledge is the way out. Knowledge is the key. Um, do a food bank as well. And then also do some adult programming so that while we're trying to impact the lives of these kids, we can also, also change the lives of their parents because getting the kids and having them understand or trying to teach them something, but it's not being reinforced at home is an absolute waste of time. So for me, I just want to give people in my community hope uh, and try to change my community. And from there, I think that could be something that people could follow. People could be a part of, Um, and, you know, a lot of people want to help. A lot of people have attempted to donate and I really, really appreciate that. Um, and I'm just trying to change the world one individual at a time as much as I can. So where do we go online to donate if we want to do it? Um, it's on, so I'm having a problem with my Instagram right now. Um, but I see B's got the link. Um, but I will definitely get it to you guys. Uh, the foundation page, we have, since this happened, we literally just swiped it and started all lower so people can get a better understanding, see the committee, see the people who we've changed, put the projects out there. But it's mauriceallen360.com uh, is my page. There is a donate button on there so people can go on there and hit the donations and all of the money. So people need to understand this. I want, you, I want them to see my face when I say this. Every single solitary dime that is donated goes back to the community. We don't pay anybody. We have volunteers at work. I don't take any money off of it. Doesn't go to entry fees for me. I'm not out here putting money in my pocket or doing anything crazy. Every dollar that goes in is accounted for when it goes out and it goes out directly to the people who need it. There is no overhead. There is nothing that happens with that at all. And it's always been that way with my group. It will always continue to be that way with my group. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Once again, it is MauriceAllen360.com. Go on there and donate. And let's, you know what? It does feel different this time for some reason or another. And I'm not discounting the other times that this has happened. But something feels different this time. It feels like more people are involved. More people are committed to making a change. Uh, We just have to keep the ball rolling. A lot of times the ball gets rolling and it stops. Uh, We need to keep the ball rolling until there is 
systematic change and until everybody can feel like they've got an equal chance. I'm with you on that. Thank you so much thank for you your guys. time. Hey, thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Um, that really does mean a lot to me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys for being courageous enough to continue to move things forward and make people feel uncomfortable and just let people know, hey, it's okay. You're not a bad person. It's all about what do we do from here? What change do we make from here? You got it. And good luck uh, moving forward and good luck shooting 62. And we can't wait to see you on the Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Maurice. Have a good one, man. All right, fellas. Awesome stuff. Um, I mean, really, really, the piece that he wrote for Golf Digest was amazing. If you haven't seen it, you can see it at golfdigest.com. Yeah, I mean, it's still up on our homepage. And um, it's an important perspective because I think that's part of the conversation. A big part of it is understanding things from uh, another perspective and an ability to to do that rather than uh, what might be someone's perspective, might be your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I can sit here all day and tell you what I think, but I, I haven't lived uh, the life right. that Maurice Allen has lived or, or, or other people. I, I haven't gone through what they've gone through. And so because of that, it's easy that a lot of times we get into a situation where somebody complains and they don't have any solutions. Maurice is a guy that's saying, hey, here's where we have some problems, but here's some solutions as to how we can fix it. And so it's always easier to do that when you have a, when this is a road I want to go down to try to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. So, and speaking of going down a road, um, let's circle back now to the PGA tour because they're going down the road Yeah, to colonial. They'll restart. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, they'll restart their season this week at colonial. And it feels right. It doesn't feel too early. It doesn't feel, um, like we shouldn't be doing it. It feels right. Yeah, I, I don't know how to view it, quite honestly. Um, it, on one hand, uh, certainly it can be done. Um, they've taken some steps. They'll be um, testing. Uh, so how does that work? Do you know exactly? I know some were supposed to test before they left home, before they traveled. And then when they get there, they'll be tested again once they're there and they'll be kept in quarantine. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, yeah, and and this this will um, and we can address some of this because um, I'll have a piece later this week on Golf Digest about the questions that still remain because uh, as much as golf is returning and trying to do so um, in a safe and um, environment, so forth, there are some questions that remain. Um, to your point about testing, okay, so let's start with that. Uh, players are not required, uh, players or caddies are not required to test before they travel. Uh, it is only a suggestion, a strong suggestion, but still only a suggestion. Now, once they arrive in the tournament city, um, they will be tested um, and that'll happen. Uh, there's some various locations, uh, be it um, at uh, tournament sites or at other locations within the city of where that event is. Colonial, for example, I believe is using a local arena carry out um, some testing and the results of that testing will be available within uh, a number of hours and players um, are allowed to practice uh, at a tournament site uh, until those results come back, but they are not permitted inside the clubhouse, the locker room, et cetera, until a, until a negative test comes back. Now will the test results be public? No. Because that's the thing is that at the, at the end of the day, you still have to remember all this is a HIPAA uh, violation uh, risk as well. If you put somebody's medical history or medical results out there, that's, that's not allowed. So, okay. 
so that, far. That said, if 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 a player or caddy does test positive, yeah. they will not be allowed to participate. Um, depending when that result comes back, they they will not be able, uh, allowed to participate and will have to quarantine for at least ten days in that city and withdraw from the event. Withdraw from the event. Um, so we know who's registered. So, I mean, it's going to be pretty yeah. obvious if somebody, we, we know who's on the, the list now. We've already got some of the featured pairing groups out. They've already told us who's playing yeah. together. If all of a sudden um, Dustin Johnson or, or, or Justin Thomas all of a sudden just decide not to play this week, you're going to know why. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see that um, if, if there are WDs um, prior to around after around. What if they would say after, WD because of a test result or if it'll be, Oh, I had an injury well, or, you know, it'd be interesting. Yeah, to certainly, see. certainly the question's going to be asked. I, I would imagine that, um, you know, if a player withdraws, that will be the first question asked to that player uh, by the media. Um, so now is it up to the tour to disclose that to the media? I don't think so. To your point, there are HIPAA situations, but they do have to inform local officials if there is a positive test, and that raises another question, which has not really been answered, is that if there are positive tests, how many tests does it take before the tour decides to shut down an event? Um, it, it's certainly not one test. I, I think we've gotten clarification there, but how many tests will it take? Will it take five tests, 10? Does it matter? who tests positive. In other words, if it's a volunteer, if it's a player, if it's a caddy, where does the line of demarcation, uh, where does that stand? We do not have the answer to that. It's been asked of the tour. They have not been um, clear. Now, that said, I, I think they, they're they sort of looking at it on a case-by-case -case basis or situation-by-situation -situation basis where um, if a player does test positive, they will um, go into a series of procedures. Medical officials will, will carry out contact tracing. The tour will carry out uh, sanitizing um, everything and, and so forth that that player has come in contact with. But this is, this is a tricky situation. Now, players, again, will be tested if they are taking the charter plane uh, to the next tournament. Okay, okay, because the tour is going to have a charter going uh, for at least these first four events right. where they fly players. Um, you know, you will have to get a negative result on a test on, uh, I believe it's Saturday, uh, um, prior to being allowed to board that plane, which can hold 117, um, roughly 117 players and caddies. Now, of course, some players are going to fly private. Um, so there's still a lot of questions here. I mean, people bring up the bubble, but, you know, tournament tournaments are using hotels uh, as host hotels, but they're using multiple hotels. Then they're, they're also not. Are the players uh, allowed to leave? Are they allowed to go like, say yeah. you want to go out and have dinner? Yes. So it's not a situation like it, whereas the NBA is going to take over the whole hotel and they're going to right. quarantine them there. This is a case of you'll stay at the hotel, but you can come and go as you please. And it's trickier because, again, we're talking, you know, the NBA, uh, we, there's a players union, they, you know, they effectively work for the NBA. It's essentially the other way around in professional golf with the tour working for the players who are independent contractors. Uh, the tour has certainly suggested that players 
uh, self-quarantine and remain in the rooms and order room service and, or grab takeaway. Which is a smart but thing I, to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had players and caddies tell me, um, you know, more than one that they're effectively going to go out to dinner. Uh, they're going to effectively do what they want and not take any of the tour suggestions. So that said, you wonder um, how tight this bubble is, because again, there are, there are very few requirements within this bubble. Uh, there are a lot of suggestions within right. it. So, right. And so we get no fans, we'll get no yeah. fans and we'll continue this process for the first four weeks. Yes. Now the first we, four weeks, we'll have no fans. Uh, this entire testing process will continue. It's possible, I suppose, that there would be modifications to it right. along the way, depending how things play out. Um, now, we but, did get a, a notification from the Memorial Tournament mm. uh, that says they are going to allow fans. Now, they all they said was, we're going to allow fans. They kind of jumped to that, and they're going to then back us up and tell us later exactly how many fans, what they're going to do, what the protocols will be what the social right. guidelines will be. So they're going to do that, but they do want to have fans at the Memorial and that is in July. So we are going to go the first four weeks without, but we know there is a tournament. Now there's another tournament that is canceled. The John Deere has canceled because they're not comfortable with having uh, people there and doing that yet. So that event was, they were looking to either move that to Sawgrass or move it somewhere else. But the problem with Sawgrass was 17 at Sawgrass, the most famous hole at Sawgrass uh, TPC here in Ponte Vedra, where I am, has been under construction. They redid the green. Now, I'm not saying it can't be ready for them, but I don't think they had planned on the golf course being ready for play, uh, tournament play, professional tournament play in July. So I'm not exactly sure where they're going to move that event to. Well, they, they actually made that decision. Oh, they um, did. Well, yeah, they, they made that decision last week. I'd reported on it where um, they will play that tournament or that week rather at Muirfield village site of the Memorial tournament. Um, they will play there the week before, uh, and, and have an event sponsored by workday, which steps okay. in for one year only, uh, really when, when it came to John Deere, it was, it was sort of twofold. It was, um, a, a matter of gatherings, uh, of people. Um, and again, we're, you know, the, the tour will have tournaments without fans, but you're still talking roughly 1100, people on site at once. Right. Volunteers uh, and everything else. Right. So that was problematic. And really second, uh, probably more so was the, the financial element of it. The tournament uh, director telling me that, look, the event would have lost money had they held it without fans. Um, you know, of course there's any number of things that go into that ticket sales to, to alcohol, food and beverage, et cetera, a uh, big sponsor uh, tents and so forth and all that going away. And the tournament um, would rather take that money uh, that they already sort of have in their possession and redistribute that to the charities uh, locally that, um, you know, they, they're still able to do that. Whereas if they had the tournament, uh, the event would have lost money. That certainly would have impacted the charitable element of it doing so. So they made the decision for this year to not go on. And you wonder how many that raises the question you have to ask how many other tournaments are feeling that pressure and if you and you wonder if that will be the case for the other events so we haven't seen that happen yet with other tournaments but it certainly raises a question um, I think there are a lot of questions still to be answered that said uh, I don't think um, really anytime soon we're going to be at a point where we have all the answers for this stuff if we're going to 
uh, proceed with golf. I, th there's just no way possible for it to proceed anytime soon with having all the answers. Um, is it too soon? I don't know. I, you know, it's, to me, it's still to be determined and I guess we'll see it play out, but certainly players are eager to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got the, the strongest field in the history of the event. Yeah. I mean, just some um, of the, uh, yeah. some of the featured groups, you've got Rom, Kepka and McElroy paired together. Uh, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth paired together. Uh, Justin Rose, Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson together. And Gary Woodland, Kevin Na, and Phil Mickelson. I mean, this unbelievably strong field. It'll be great to have golf back again. It will be strange without the fans. Um, I do wish, and I and and, and I, I I do understand that the mic'd up portion that we saw from the Tiger Phil Tom Brady um Peyton Manning match I understand the talk that we got there would not be the same talk you would get during a during a, a real match I I get that um but I would like to see at times some guys mic'd up I think Phil is phenomenal when mic'd up he gives a lot of explanation he does a little bit of chatter but Phil's very good and you know I'm a huge Tiger fan Tiger not that great mic'd up because he's more into the round and does not he's just not like that it's just not his personality but I did enjoy the mic'd up portion. And I know a lot of people have said, well, why can't we mic the players? You would not get the same interaction at a tour event that you got at a event like we saw uh, at the match. Would you agree? No. Yeah, no, you certainly wouldn't. That said, um, it'd be a fantastic idea because it would be um, really fascinating. And I can provide an example, a real life example. Uh, if I go back to Chambers Bay, I believe it was, in 2015 for the U.S. Open where um, spectators uh, were, because of the topography and the way the course is roped and staked and so forth, spectators were rather far from the players. And uh, of course the media was, inside, uh, was allowed inside the ropes. And there were occasions where I was able to get, I can remember one specifically where I was able to get really close to Phil Mickelson because of uh, sort of the, the walking path for the media for the event. And it was fascinating listening to the dialogue between him and Bones, who was still on his bag at the time, um, and their back and forth over a particular shot. So to me, that would be incredibly fascinating. Um, the problem is you have to get buy-in from the players, of course, for that. Some guys aren't simply going to want to do that. Um, there are other uh, you know, the tour is going to want to control sort of what information is put out there. Um, we're, but we are going to see this uh, on the European tour. I think you're going to see uh, when they come back, you will see um, some players mic'd up and we've already seen it with players being interviewed on their way down the, down a particular hole. I'm not sure that really provides a ton of insight um, because that's um, a little more intrusive. Right. Um, it's a little bit like those interviews of coaches going to halftime. I mean, what do you really get out of those? Uh, most often, not not a whole lot. Um, that said, I, I would like to see the tour move forward. And look, I think golf realizes, uh, you know, from the professional presentation standpoint, it needs to make some changes it, it, in terms of how it presents its product and and trying to attract more fans and make it more interesting and. Um, you know, that's certainly one of the things that's been talked about is, is having more players mic'd up. Right. It'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to get golf back this week. Uh, yeah. the only, 
I would say the only thing that, and I didn't expect it anyways, the only disappointment is this week we do not get uh, Tiger Woods at uh, mm. Colonial. And I think that when we spoke to Paul Lazinger last time, he had said that he didn't think that that uh, Tiger would play this golf course and thought that maybe the first time we would see him, I think the first time we could really count on uh, a very good chance is obviously the Memorial Tournament. But do you think there's a chance we could see Tiger Woods prior to the Memorial? You know, look, he's obviously not in the field this week. Next week at the RBC Heritage, um, a tournament he has played. Of course, he has played before, but a very long time ago, along with Colonial back in the late 90s. So um, I think there's a chance he could play there. Um, I think, or maybe there was a chance he he was going to play there. I would bet on him not playing there. And look, Tiger, at this point, 44 years old, he's a creature habit, really uh, when you look at it, look at his history of playing events, uh, hasn't really changed a whole lot over the years, even more recently. Uh, secondly, you look at the schedule in the back end of it, in the back end of the year, if all goes to plan, it's a loaded lot of golf, with big, yeah. Yeah, a lot of big tournaments, major championships. Look, at this point, it's all about major championships for Tiger Woods. And the back end of the, the, the calendar You've got three major championships plus a Ryder Cup uh, plus the PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs uh, in that order. So to me, I I just don't see any way he comes back really before Memorial, um, which would be about a month from now. But I do want to say at the match, and you you can downplay it and say it didn't matter. You can say whatever you want. He put on a clinic. He looked good. Striking the ball. <laughs> he the looked good. The, yeah. the driver was good. a weapon. He hit it very well. People will say, oh, well, it wasn't a real match. It didn't matter. Well, Phil hit hit on the same golf course, and Phil had a hard time keeping it in the fairway. And Tiger put on it. Abs- I believe he hit every single fairway with the driver. And so we know that, that has not been a strong point in the past. The swing looked good. He looked like he had speed through the ball. He did not look uh, – he had any – didn't. I didn't see any ginger movements where he looked like he was uncomfortable. So things did look good. Is it different than a PGA Tour event? Absolutely, it's more laid back. However, you still got to hit shots. And I felt like he hit shots. I think he missed one green uh, on an approach shot. He really did hit the ball extremely well. And it's encouraging moving forward because the last time we saw him – was the Genesis where he had a great first nine holes and then played terrible after. So, I mean, we, it was, it was encouraging to at least see that. And it makes us think that maybe the back end of the season can be good. And that maybe this downtime in the pandemic has been better, has not been better for anybody more than Tiger and given his time off and given his body to rest. Yeah. I think that to me is the biggest um, benefit really for a guy like Tiger whose body body is, you know, stitched together at this point. Yeah. Um, and has more holes than, than an operation game board. But um, I, I just, yeah, I, I think the back end of the year is far too important for him in terms of major championships that I just don't see him really changing his schedule much. Um, he's going to want to obviously focus on, all of those majors, and you've got one every month, August, September. Um, then you've got November with the Masters. So Ryder Cup thrown in there in September. If they so, play the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that's well, that's a whole other – I mean, a Ryder Cup with, with no fans is not a Ryder Cup. And so – No, I, and, I, and, I, it, you know. and it certainly seems to be moving a little more in that direction. Um, 
you know, as of now, it's still on. But how long? Look, I, I think there's just there's a lot of unknowns, and that goes for Tiger too. But but I think uh, to your point, the time off probably did him some good, uh, maybe uh, more than anybody else on tour. It'll be good to have the uh, golf season back this week. It will be a little awkward. It'll be strange with no fans, but I still think it'll be great to have it back. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this works with the bubble mm. that they are in uh, and see if we can make it work and we'll start getting back. It's, you know, it's always the first step that's the toughest one to make. And golf yeah. being the first major sport, I know I know NASCAR is back, and I'm not taking any away from, from NASCAR and what they're doing. And they, they found a way to make it work, and I think that they are now looking at introducing fans as well, uh, starting very small. But I think it's good that it is coming back. I'm excited to have it back. I love the fact that the field's huge. I love that they've paired a lot of the big guys together. They'll, I mean, it's going to make TV. It's going to make golf must-see must TV again. Uh, you think we had great ratings for the uh, tailor-made match that even better ratings for the tiger and phil match and i think we'll get even great ratings this weekend because live golf is back so it's good for us uh big thanks to maurice allen for his time and being so open and uh once again if you want to donate and make a change because that really is it you know we can all you can say whatever you want do whatever you want but doing something is much more important so if you go to maurice allen 360.com you can donate there once again uh scholarships for people to get their life on track. And that's what's important is giving everybody the equal opportunity to make it in life and to have the things that you want to have, to not start at a disadvantage. And that's what they're doing. So thanks for listening. Golf is back. We get it. Uh, we start here at Colonial this week. Where do we go next week? Uh, off to Hilton Head and then uh, the Travel Travelers Championship. And then, as mentioned, the new event. Uh, at Muirfield Village, no fans that week, uh, full field, regular event, and then, of course, the Memorial Tournament, same place um, the following week with fans. Good deal. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Playing Through Podcast. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25 until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.